You're listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. Chris and Jana are parents of three, life and business partners who share their personal development techniques so you can grow yourself and grow your marriage. Chris and Jana here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. This is episode... Numero 45. Oh, you got fancy there. (laughs) Yeah, but then I went English, so anyway. You did. It's true. It's early. It is early. We are back on the podcast. Guess who's back? Ready to back. (laughs) All right. Oh, boy. If this is any indication, you should just turn it off now. True. All right. So... We have been asking a lot of questions lately, haven't we, Jonna? We have. I think we're always asking questions. Yes, not as many questions as our five-year-old, but a lot of questions. And the questions stem from feeling like this is a crazy time. We're still in the COVID pandemic. And because it's a crazy time, when we go back to normal, we want to make sure that the new normal is growth. It's better than it was before. And so this has been an opportunity for us to ask some good questions and it's sparked good conversations. So we thought, why not share it? Why not? And once again, if you are not in the middle, when you listen to this, if you're not in the middle of the COVID pandemic, don't turn off because it is still relevant and good content for any time. Yes. We're not going to talk about COVID anymore. It's just, it happens to be these questions stemmed from that. Yeah. So... Kind of playing off our last couple episodes, we've been, you know, trying to be more intentional about our marriage and in turn sharing that information with you and giving you hopefully some conversation starters. That's kind of the key here because like I've said it before, we tell you to be intentional. People tell you to communicate, but sometimes you just don't even have the time or the brain power at the end of the day to put your finger on where to start or what you even need to talk about. So we have one question that really, I feel like the first time we asked it, we both were like, whoa, eye opener. And then we continue to ask ourselves this question. Yeah. And that question is, is your marriage or is our marriage a relationship that we wish on our kids? Now let that sink in because... You know, we talked about in our last episode, we talked about parenting and kids and being an example. And this really sits with that is because our kids are learning how to be married, how to treat, even date, how to treat uh, the their significant other, their future, long in the future, significant other based on what they see out of us. So there's a weird dynamic, you know, Chris currently is a dad of all girls. And so he's really teaching them how what to look for in a man and how they should be treated based on how he treats me and i feel like when you think of it that way you take it a little more seriously not that you don't already but yeah it's true hashtag girl dad hashtag girl dad yeah um i think that uh i think that what's interesting is yes our kids are watching us and if our kids i mean our kids haven't made these comments yet because they're not old enough, but I know of parents who their kids make comments like, I don't want to get married. I don't yeah. want to. I mean, like you and dad just Wait, fight all the time. Or, last night, Lola said she didn't want to get married, that's but that's because she said she never wants to kiss a boy because it's gross. So we're like, okay, that's like, fine. All right, cool. We're good with that. But <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's true. And then I feel after listening. After speaking this question or talking about this question, I feel a different responsibility as a wife because, you know, my behavior as a wife isn't always perfect. I mean, it's close, but it isn't always perfect. So the times where I'm not being my best self or I make poor decisions, I do need to think about, okay, if our girls were doing this in their marriage and I knew about it or they came to me, how would I react? How would I feel? Yeah, and I think I think times are changing. I think what has happened and we've all realized it is, you know, millennials are getting married a lot later and people are just in a different place because I think we are inherently more selfish than we've ever been and now marriage and, you know, attention has changed and all of these things are so different and so I mean, marriage is going to look a lot different later on in 20 years or 15, 18 years than it is now. 
And I think the important thing is for us to set a good example for our girls now, our kids, in case we have a boy here soon. Ooh. Yeah. Soon. Yeah, exactly. To to set a good example for them now, for them to see what a good marriage can look like. And what's interesting is our our oldest now, Lola, she's five and she's been saying things lately like, Oh, I just want to learn how to do this, learn how to do that, learn how to do that. But I don't want to put the work in. I don't want to. I don't want to practice. You know, She's like I, it's not fair that other kids can do backflips and I can't. I'm like, well, right, right. And yesterday, Jana said she was like, "Listen, anything in life that we have that is worth it takes work." And I think we all know if you're married, the hardest thing within marriage is it takes constant adjusting and work and um, adaptation, if you will. And our kids see whether we are moving towards those things or not. So I think as we dive deeper into this, we want to kind of assess five different areas of our marriage. When we're asking ourselves these questions, it's like, hey, let's really have a singular focus on each of these areas and assess where we are. I think that this is important because I feel like when you look at some of the older generations, and I could be way off base here, it's just based on my small circle of people that I know, it seems like a lot of times couples forget that you you don't marry. When you're married, you marry a person, but but you guys both change as the years go on. And if you're not changing together and growing together, it's inevitable that you grow apart. So these are some questions, you know, we talk about in personal growth, we talk about self-awareness being the first starting place, the key to being able to grow yourself. And I think it's the same in marriage. You have to continually assess where you and your spouse are at, where your marriage is at to be able to take it to the next level. Because how do you know where you're going if you don't know where you're starting? Ooh, and I think you went back to that episode two where we yeah. talked about the the mall map. The mall map, yeah, it's just like the mall map. If you never heard episode two, I just gave the illustration of you ever at the mall or you know maps are so 1990s now. But <laughs> if you ever been at the mall and you have a store that in mind that you want to go to and you find the store, but you can't figure out how to get to that store until you figure out where you're at on the map. And it's kind of the same thing. And since we are ever growing and ever changing and going through things, because that's life, like now, when Chris and I got married almost seven years ago, nobody told us, hey, when there's a pandemic, here's how you need to prepare for it. So you have to constantly be in a place where you're reevaluating what's going on in life and how you can work through that together. So Here's some areas to, you know, start the conversation of where you should start assessing your marriage. Yeah. So communication. And I would honestly cross out communication and just say like, well, I guess I wouldn't cross it out, but I would say the communication piece now is so much harder because of our overstimulation of screens and phones and all that stuff. I feel like it couldn't have been hard to communicate back then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, opposed to what it is now. And it's just going to get worse. So, but I think that's why it's such an important part to assess like, and it's obviously the first step because if you're having this conversation, then you're working towards communication if you're not already, but your first step to saying, how is our communication right now? Whether you're in a pandemic or not, how is our communication? Are we talking about things we're supposed to be talking to? Is this our, or talking about, is this our first time really sitting down and having a conversation other than how was work, how are the kids, what's for dinner, you know, and then talking about how can we communicate better or what do we communicate about? I don't know. I, I think it's an important area to assess. It is important. And I think there are like layers to it. Sure. Ooh, I, I said your word like, like um, <laughs> you know, you know, you know. So I think there are layers to communication where there are kind of the, uh, kind of the not so critical, maybe trivial things in life. Like you said, it's like, okay, cool. Let's communicate about what we're having for dinner tonight and make sure we're on the same page with what time the kids are getting to bed and stuff like that. And then there are the deeper issues, which are the, which are the family issues, the, the, the vision issues or not issues, but the vision for your future, all that stuff. And then 
I think the top tier layer is any of the potential things communication wise that could pull us apart. True. So moving on. So moving on. Moving on. The next area of importance to assess. Well, with communication, you wanted to skip over communication. Now you want to go back. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not saying skip over oh, okay. it. I was just saying almost exit out and talk about like focus, <laughs> like yeah. focus on each other because communication can be hard now because our focus is pulled in every direction. It's like I was, I heard something the other day. Uh, I study a lot of marketing and stuff and I heard something the other day and they were saying that 20 years ago, our attention span was 20 minutes. And then about a decade ago, it was about 10 minutes. And now it's seven seconds. I mean, we're like little gnats. I really believe that. Yeah. And so literally you have to grab someone's attention in seven seconds because we're so overstimulated. If you, if you think about maybe you're, uh, maybe you're cleaning your computer or doing something or like an update's happening on your, on, on your phone or something like that. And you don't have access to something digital, like you'll like reach for your phone or your computer or something. Yeah, you're like, what do I do? We're, yeah. we're up on my hands. Like, what do I, we don't know how to be bored. We're sitting in the grocery store six feet away from each other now. And I try my best not to get my phone out because all I see is people just like I know straight in their phones. And it's like, dang, man, like this is this is intense. It's sad. It's honest. Honestly, it's sad. I'm the same way. I try really hard to take in moments more when I'm especially when I'm in public. I'm like, I just want to look at people like I just want to make eye contact with somebody. But you can't even make eye contact with people because everybody's looking at their phone like afraid to say hi especially right now i feel like people think that if you look at each other you're gonna catch the virus or if you're polite because (laughs) i went to the store the other day just a side note and i felt like everybody was very cold and like they said like like rude is that such a valley girl thing to say like a lot like valley girl like like like, like, (laughs) i know basic We, we both have our words we need to work on we do we apologize they probably don't even notice until we point it out probably not Anyways, so yeah, I would say communication and focus could be combined together. So people always like action steps. Yeah. People people are like, yeah, cool. I know you're right. So what do we think is the most, uh, what do we think is a very valuable first step for somebody or a couple who is, let, let's just talk about the scenario of, you know, one of us is always on our phone or one of us is always like not as present because we are busy and whatever. Right. So what do you think is like a good step, Jonna, for beginning to solve this problem? Well, I think that if somebody's sitting down to have this conversation, I feel like that's a good first step because you're already intentionally moving forward with yourself. like, Saying, hey, here's a question I heard on a podcast, a really great podcast today. Fantastic and podcast. The, maybe the best podcast I've ever heard. <laughs> a tremendous podcast. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm done. I'm done. And here's some things that I think we should talk about. I think that's a really good first step. Are you more referring to, hey, the spouse heard the podcast, the spouse is going to go bombard the other spouse, but they're always on their phone or... Yeah, how to I, handle that? I feel like bombard might not be the word, but yeah. Just okay. I know this is an area of assessment that a lot of people are like, oh yeah, so and so doesn't listen to me, or or we aren't happy in these ways. We're not communicating because we are it's our routine is so mundane. It's like, okay, we're both focused on the kids, we're both focused on what we need to do for the house and stuff like that, but we never get to sit down and actually like talk and catch up and all this stuff. And so would it be a matter of you know, a specific amount of time or a specific time period where we're like, hey, let's make sure we're not watching TV tonight and we're actually communicating and like sitting down and having a conversation. Um, I feel like that's so foreign now. It is, but I think that that's definitely a good first step because you can't just be like, hey, we don't communicate enough and you don't focus on me enough. So that needs to change and then think something's going to change. I think when we we had this issue sometime back, especially when you were working and Um, out of the house all the time. And for a short amount of time, you implemented a tech-free Tuesday rule like, hey, Tuesdays, we're not going to watch TV, which we really 
try not to watch TV during the week, which that helps us with our evening communication. Just helpful hint if you want to do that. We we try to wait till the weekend for any thing like that, but we still are bad with our phones, especially random scrolls on TikTok. Follow me, John Farrell. <laughs> Follow me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am in rare form this morning, but for real, we're getting into the TikTok game. It's fun. She is. Yeah, we're gonna make a grow yourself grow your marriage one, so you can have all the helpful tips, all the helpful one fun fifteen to thirty quick, seconds. Yep, we'll catch your attention fast. Yep. Anyways, um, what was I even talking about? Oh, yeah, I think it, it starts with just making one small step like that. Hey, every whatever day works best for you, and whatever time works best for you, we're gonna sit down and just be present. We'll leave our phones in another room. Cause honestly, even if they're next to you, they yep. ding, it's just your, even if you don't check it, your mind is on. I wonder what that is. Maybe I should just glance at it or, you know, you wait for your spouse to take a breath and then you hurry up and check it real fast. Yes. In the grand scheme of things, does it really matter that we check on notifications? Because no. if we really break it down, it is literally everybody else's agenda for us yep. is all the pings, all the emails, all the notifications, all the, everything is people either, Asking, responding, you know, something. Someone has an agenda for us, for us to, to you know, hear or see what they said to what we said or yeah. or a question of some sort. And at the end of the day, it's like, man, is it really going to matter all that much? And I, I need to keep telling myself that. Yeah, same. See, my TikTok followers' responses on my videos from 11-year-olds are really not <laughs> as important as what you have to say. Exactly. Screw that. It is true, actually, though, because... Kidding. You know, we talked about, now I'm saying your word, two episodes ago, we talked about asking each other the tough question of, do I do anything that bothers you? And if you listen, I told Chris something that bothers me is when I feel like his attention is not on me because he's on his phone, whether it's usually for work and business stuff, but sometimes the mindless scroll. Sometimes. But if you are the spouse that is continually doing that, what you have to understand it just sends a signal to the other spouse. I think especially women, because we take things differently that whatever's on your phone is more important than them. Even if what I'm talking about is completely trivial and you've heard it a million times, your spouse is supposed to be your person, your best friend, and and you still want to be heard by them, whether it's small or big stuff. So yeah, that's just another thing to understand, at least for me as a female, I start to feel like, I'm not as important as yes. your peeps. Yes. And I will say that when I coach people, when when we kind of when we suggest that they pull the phone away during meals and they and they pull the phone away and technology and stuff to be more mindful and present because it really does cause like a stress response in your body, which affects your health. People always are like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm communicating better with my family. Things are going so much better. And really what it takes is almost like a, li- a little bit of a cutoff just to be like, hmm, I'm going to leave my phone in my office or, or I'm going to leave my phone here or there or whatever, you know, wh- while I'm downstairs um, eating dinner or whatever. That way you're creating resistance to the habit and ultimately you have better connection, better communication. Yes. And and just to, to go back to the original question about your marriage and being an example to your kids if you want, if we want our kids to put the tablet down or look away from the TV or put their toy down and look at us when we talk to them, we have to set that example too. And that's something that unless you've just heard it or you're, you don't really think about, you're like, oh, they're learning how to be little human beings based on us. So if we're sitting at the table on our phone or if every time they try to talk to us, we're on our computer scrolling through our phone and giving them half attention why do we expect any different from them when we're when we get frustrated because they won't look away from their toys to respond to us? Ooh. Boom. Boom. Shake the room. Shake the room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. Well, let's move on. I think you guys got that point pretty well. Um, we hammered it home. Hopefully you got some good little nuggets there. So next, let's move on to physical, Jonna. Okay. So remember, if you forget, we're assessing our marriage in these areas. And physical is where are we at physically? Where is our health at? Our eating habits, our exercise habits, our all of that. 
where is that at? And is it a place that we would be not we personally happy with our children? It's not like we're putting these restrictions on them, but obviously competent in their health. Yeah, Everybody wants their kid to be healthy and to have healthy habits and healthy relationships with food and exercise and movement and all that stuff. So are we modeling that for them? Yes. Let's put it in perspective. So we all know when we are, when our kids have kids, as grandparents, we're going to love our grandbabies. That's how it's supposed to be, right? So when it comes to that, if we're looking in the future and we're saying, well, my kid is just as healthy as I am now, and therefore, you know, they have a certain amount of risk of, you know, some type of disease or sickness or something that is going to that is going to end their life earlier than they thought it would, which would ultimately impact our grandkids. So for us, when we look at our physical health, if our kids had that same physical health, you know, would we be okay with that, right? You took that deep real fast. I did. I did take a little deep and it did go a little over the place, but do you see what I'm saying? Basically what you're saying is just like the first question we ask is your relationship. Are you healthy? And, and if your child was in the same health spot yes. as you, would you be happy with that? Would you be like, yes, they're doing well. I'm proud of them. They're taking care of themselves, themselves for their family. Yeah, because what's so sad is a lot of people pass away, you know, just randomly. And people are so shocked and so surprised. And I mean... It sounds terrible, babe, but I will literally get on someone's Facebook or whatever and look at look at their body and their habits and stuff like that. And it's almost like I can tell like, oh, man, like this person was at risk this whole time. People don't understand. And ultimately, yes, there are a lot of things that get in the way. But I think what's important to realize is that, you know, our kids are depending on us to be around. Yeah. Our kids kids will depend on them to be around. And so whatever example we're setting now for health. We have to understand, and I mentioned this, I think, a couple episodes ago, 95% of people who are overweight, obese, in a very, very bad situation, their kids inherit that, and then their kids inherit that. And so if we wonder where this genetic obesity comes from, this this genetic um, lack of health comes from, it's all inherent. And so what happens here is we have to make sure that we are in a place that our kids are going to be healthy and then their kids will be healthy because we dictate what the future looks like. And it's like a blessing and a curse to realize that you have control over the, not complete control because at the end of the day, they're still human beings with their free will, but you have some control over the trajectory of your family, not just your immediate family. Like you said, it they will pass on the hopefully the healthy habits that you pass on and so on. And so th- I think this is such a taboo subject because today people are so afraid to speak about things outside of the comfort zone or that might be offensive when in reality, people need to understand this for safety, for health. Like it should be something that is talked about yes. more than it's not. Because like you said, there's so many diseases and issues out there that are caused that don't have to be if we would just be well if we could just open our eyes to the fact that uh, i could just go on a well, whole someone on needs to break and, the pattern someone needs yeah. to break the pattern and and what i will say that i learned as a fitness professional and it is like the biggest epiphany for me is that wherever you are right now it's actually not your fault <laughs> and I usually tell everyone, hey, take 100% responsibility for who you are and what you are and all that stuff, but your past is actually not your fault when it comes to your physical health because weight gain, if if you're someone who has additional weight on you or a lack of health, um, it's inherent, right? You learned what you learned. You were conditioned to what you were conditioned to, and you value your health probably like the people that you grew up with value their health, and so Ultimately, it's harder to break the pattern, but it doesn't mean you're not in control of your future. You're in control of your future, but you are not at fault for your past. And once again, it just starts with being aware, uh, doing an assessment of where is my health at right now and how can I turn this around? So I'm going to turn this one to you since you are the fitness man. What's a good first step if somebody's hearing this and 
You're like, okay, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I want my child to have healthier life than I currently have. How do I even start that process? Yeah, well, so there's a really strong framework that I think people forget about. Everyone's like, oh, it's all about eat less, move more. And it's actually not, guys. It's not all about what? eat less, right? <laughs> it's not all about eat less, move more. In fact, it has a lot to do with stress and has a lot to do with sleep. And those go hand in hand. And so if someone came to me and said, Christian, 10 seconds, tell me how do I get healthy? I say respect, sleep, stress, nutrition, and movement. But out of all of those, respect movement less than anything. And what? movement is Everybody's incredibly important. Movement is incredibly important. But if I ask you to respect anything, we are starting with nutrition and sleep. Because nutrition and sleep dictate what stress looks like. And stress, nutrition, sleep, everything dictate if you're going to move or not. So I'll take you through a little bit of a, a layer here. So if you don't respect your sleep, you are going to wake up in a bad mood with no energy. If you wake up in a bad mood with no energy and stress comes your way, you're not going to be able to handle that stress. So your sleep now affects your stress. And when your stress is affected because your sleep was bad, now we say, are we going to make the right nutritional decisions or are we going to eat based, of, based off of our emotions or off of our stress? Give me the carbs. We're not going to eat well, right? So then after you sleep bad, you're in a bad mood, you're not reacting to stress well, your stress causes you to eat a certain way, and then someone's like, hey, we should go to the gym. You're like, yeah, go screw yourself. <laughs> so you're not going to move. So if you layer these things, we have to understand, first of all, a great day starts the night before. It starts with preparation and it starts with respecting your sleep. And we've lost that as a society because I'm, I'm getting on a little tangent here. But what we have to understand is that our stress levels are highly impacted by our sleep because there are actual hormones in the body that are shifted when we don't get enough sleep. And those hormones cause us to eat more, make the wrong decisions, not manage stress, and ultimately not be set up, you know, in an, op in an optimal way for the next day. Yes. So sleep, stress, nutrition, movement, respect those four things and you will chip away. Okay. But I know that there's a lot of moms that listen to this podcast and <laughs> sleep is something that doesn't always come easily for us and stress is a big one. You know, you, you've said it before. What's the statistic about stress these days? What? How, don't you have some kind of crazy statistic about how stressed we are? Like human beings these days, Americans, I don't know. I thought you had like. It's, it's not that it's a statistic. It's basically that stress was meant for actual like fight or flight. Oh, when, yeah. when we, when we evolved as humans, like stress was literally put in our bodies. So if there was a tiger, our body would flood a, the stress hormone cortisol and our body would flood with sugars so we could immediately use them to either fight or flee from a situation. And now we've created this, um, this, this stress that's not even there. Right. So it's almost like, it's almost like this, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, not fake, but I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but basically we have created a stress response that we are releasing the same hormone that they, that they released back in the day when a tiger was about to chase them. And the difference is we, we ran from a tiger back then and got rid of those sugars and these days, the family stress, the marital stress, the kids stress, all that stuff, in addition to um, any any other stress that you have in your life, we're handling it with set with with comfort foods, with comfort and, foods and no movement, and that's yeah. how we're gaining weight. And so, stress ultimately makes people fat. Stress ultimately is 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 a huge key contributor to you know weight gain and like really really. Uh, bad health. And so when we talk about how important stress is, I can't stress it enough. Ooh, how about that? I can't stress it enough how incredibly important that is. So that's but, all. But Mr. Farrell, yes. because I know this is your topic, you that that's good. But again, moms, especially, we what is a good step to saying, okay, I have a newborn. Like for us, we're going to have a newborn soon. And I know my sleep's going to be jacked up again. Correct. Just when we control, just started getting our kids to sleep at night. I feel you. Control what you can control. If you if your kid is waking you up every three hours, 
then you have to control what you can control. And what you can control is trying to get to bed at a decent time, pulling yourself away from screens, actually de-stimulating your body um, and hacking, hacking your body as much as you possibly can to get whatever sleep you can get. There are things out of our control, but overall, and, and I understand you're exhausted after a long day and you want to watch Netflix, you want to do whatever, I get it. But overall, there are things we can do to de-stress and de-stimulate um, our bodies, if you will, that will set us up for at least better than if we didn't yeah. respect it at all. And I think this just clicked in my head for my own reminders to remember it's just a phase that you have to work around a new schedule or new way of life. Because I know for me, I've been stressed thinking about, oh man, we just started getting our kids sleeping through the night after years of not. And now we're going to bring a newborn home within the next few weeks or whatever, whenever this episode comes up. Yeah. And I think I have to remember that, yeah, they're not going to be a newborn forever. So you just have to work around your circumstances and do what you can. Why do I say can, can, can do what you can during that stage. Yes. And I would say the majority of people are not in our position. No, as but as there's still plenty of people whose kids don't sleep through the night. Yes. And that's a whole nother thing that we could talk about to you about implementing a routine and sticking with it because it was a lifesaver yes. for us. But And sleep is incredibly important for them too. Yeah. So sleep has just been this thing that everyone's like, I'll sleep when I die. And I'm like, yeah. no, actually you'll die if you don't sleep. True. And so, and so there are, we have to understand the power of sleep and how important it is. And I know it's hard for a lot of us in this stage, but yeah. we still have to respect as much as possible. I mean, five hours is better than three, regardless. I mean, five hours is terrible. Don't get me wrong, but it is better than three. And so again, when we talk about physical health and how we can respect those areas, it is sleep, it is stress, it is nutrition and it is movement. Um, and it is in those, it is in that order. All right. So that was long. Sorry. So we're at. Hopefully it helped. Yeah. No, I think. Yeah, no. <laughs> we saw this thing about how Midwesterners say things like, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. I say it all the time. Doesn't even make sense. So we talked about communication, focus, physical. Remember, we're assessing ourselves in our marriage to say, are we setting an example? Are we setting our kids up for a positive future? Not just positive marriage, but a positive future in general. And then the next one. Romantically. Oh, it's weird. <laughs> That's weird, actually. Yeah, I mean, this is a, just a good place to assess ourselves in our relationship because it's so easy with the busyness of the day to, you know, there's times that we go to bed sometimes. I'm like, wait, did we even kiss today at all? Because especially during the pandemic stuff nobody's really leaving the house much that's probably usually when you would say like that's been her excuse for kiss. romantics social distancing Sorry. exactly i'm like six feet <laughs> six feet sleep on the couch no <laughs> no but yeah romantic in every way not just intimacy but kissing hugging just random touching i know i'm i'm kind of you know i like to hug on you and try to get you to sit in my lap she's a toucher but it's weird um but even though the kids think it's gross, Lola literally said she doesn't want to get married. She doesn't want to kiss boys. I still think it's important. An important way to show love is through touch and being romantic. Yes. And I would say that we all tend to err on the side of selfishness when it comes to the romantic side of things. If we're being honest, usually make it about ourselves. And I think that an epiphany that we've had in the past that really, really works well is making it about the other person. And when it comes to when it comes to sex and and our romantic life and stuff like that, I just feel like it's easy to be like, oh, I don't feel like it or, you know, just whatever. Like maybe I like I'm I'm not much of a toucher um, during the day and stuff like that. I'm not the guy that walks by you and rubs your shoulder and says like, Hey, love you very often. And so when I do, it's important to her. I know it's important to her. And I also am authentic and I only do it when I like, feel like I'm feel like I'm being authentic, not just to do it because she likes it. And so I have to find that balance of being like, wait a second, like just slow down, take a second and just show her like, Hey, I know you're having a long day. Hey, give me a hug, whatever. And so I think, uh, I'm a romantic life. That is something that I can 
I can get better at speaking your love language when it comes to romantic. Definitely. And I think that you could also set up candlelit dinners every now and then. Yeah, during COVID. I saw on TikTok, I saw a couple that did that. They went and got, the one went and got takeout and came back. And they had a fancy tablecloth dinner with candles. Oh, were there kids, Jonna? Did they have kids? They didn't have kids. Exactly. Set up in the backyard. It was so cute. Exactly. Whatever. Our, Our anniversary. I know it's it coming up. It's okay. Uh, it's okay. We will literally have just had a baby, so you we can't go anywhere anyway. So oh, bummer. you're gonna find a different way. <laughs> no, it's not just see, it's not just at all about me for our anniversary, though. It's both I, of our anniversary. I know. I know. It, it's just a lot of pressure. It is. It's a lot of pressure. She's just always she's she's very like she likes uh I don't know if I'd call it traditions or whatever, but she's like five years I should get this and I should get a push gift and all these things and I'm push like, I'm I'm like First of a all, weirdo. That I've had C-section. Second of all, you've never got me a push gift. I know. I'm like that weird guy who doesn't see those traditions and like I'm like okay, whatever. But you want to know why? Did your parents do any of that kind of no, stuff? No, they didn't. So I was conditioned. You were conditioned, but it doesn't mean you can't learn what's important to your spouse. Look, this is a learning lesson right I here can't. on air. I know. I know. So assess where you're at romantically, whether that's just, I mean, I think it should be everything. I think men go straight to, well, how many times a week are we having sex? And then the women go straight to, well, how often are you showing me you love me outside of when you want to have sex? Ooh, yes, it's true. It's almost like the days when you ignore your spouse the most. You're like, hey, we should have sex. You're like, (laughs) really? Because now, you know, why don't you go have sex with your phone? Just wow. <laughs> I'm just I'm just thinking of what people probably say on those That's days. Intense. Not these people. Well, that and not these people. <laughs> that and oh, what was I was gonna say, oh, what you're talking about feeling, I think is important too, because especially from mom groups and mom conversations that I see, we are so overtouched at this stage if you've got little ones that it's so easy to just be like, I don't feel like it. And that's legitimate and that's fair. But it's still an important part of your marriage to connect with your spouse. So I think it takes both of us. And like I said, I think we can do a whole episode on sex or maybe a couple. We already have done a couple. But um, I think it takes this conversation for both of us to realize where we can bring more to the table and make it about the other one. So I'm pregnant, uncomfortable, touched all day by little people. So it's easy for me to have the excuse of, I don't feel like it. But if I would just put that aside and try to put more into you, it would change the picture. Just like you are busy in your office all day and your mind's always focused on work and you have the excuse of you're just not that much of a touchy person. But if you, the word groom is so weird. I'm not going to say, I want to say if you groomed me, if you, if you gave me that attention Throughout the day, those little reminders that you love me, that you're thinking about me, that you're attracted to me, it would also bring me that more into my mind. It's true. But then there's a double-edged sword to that. There is, like I would say, if you're talking about any type of, hey, let's future pace this during the day, you might be a little more touchy-feely and a little more like, hey, we're going to have a good night type of thing. And then we don't (laughs) (laughs) because maybe she feels good or it's the middle of the day or like she has high energy or whatever. And then like by the end of the night, she's just like, bruh, get away from me. Yeah. But we were just talking about being selfless and doing it anyways. Not sounds good. See you tonight. (laughs) Not with no, (laughs) not with the reward in mind. I think that's the biggest thing is that we still sometimes want the massage without the happy ending. Yeah, there's no such thing as exactly, a massage without a happy exactly. ending, unless you go to an actual masseuse. Well, some or places, some, some places, we've seen them get shut down. Still, yeah, yeah, still make that happen. So. But see, that's the point: is we are conditioned as males and females to think a certain way, and I think it's about undoing that and just being more selfless in yes. the relationship in general, not just romantically. Yes, and porn has made us really selfish too. So, and that's a whole separate topic that we are going to get into for sure. We will get into it, uh, but porn has made us selfish as someone who struggled with that and could only see sex as a selfish thing that I did. It's taken a long time to kind of reverse that in my brain and that association. And yeah, porn porn has been a huge issue uh, 
um, years ago that is not an issue anymore. But the association really screws things up. Well, that on top of layers and layers of other stuff like premarital relationships and all of that stuff. But just a foreshadow to that porn episode, just if if you don't know anything about us, you've never listened to us, we don't agree with porn. We don't believe it is something that should be in your life at all, let alone a uh, something in your marriage to get you hot and bothered. Well, but, it, it is, it is at its core selfish. That's all it is. It's, yeah. But I mean, I know there selfish. are people yeah. who say, well, we use it to turn ourselves on and make our spice up our marriage life and whatever. We don't, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> We don't agree with it, but it's not that we judge people. It's just we don't because of the negative effects we've seen. Just like some people might be like, well, we don't drink um, because of the negative association with drinking from their past. Drinking may have been something that really screwed things up in your relationship. Porn really jacked up ours. And so there you go. Yeah, that's a whole other episode. So romantically communication. Health. And obviously, you know, the whole reason we start talking about this is, is this marriage we would wish on our kids. And obviously, zero part of us wants to think about our kids being romantic. But, but it's we, an important but element. It's a, it's a yeah. very important element, too. And they don't know. That's why it's not just about intimacy. It's just about showing each other you love each other. And I think it makes, I, I know it makes your children feel more secure and safe when they see two parents who love each other. Definitely. Yeah. Cause you can either grow up being like my parents fought all the time or like, man, my parents have such a good relationship. And that does stem from just how they interact or how we, interact how they see us the interact. Yeah. yeah. Cause they don't, they see and they sense more than they hear. So even if they hear us say, I love you, I feel like the words I love you in general wear over time because it's so overused and by everybody like you said you just say it so think about it. there's been times i'm getting off the phone with somebody and i accidentally say okay love you bye i'm like wait i don't love you why did i just say that there's been times i just met someone and say i love you i'm like i, I mean yeah well, chris yeah, and i are really so don't. weird about that like, you don't even know me <laughs> you don't know me <laughs> yeah it's just it's a very that's a whole nother topic too it's very overused it word is. that's supposed to mean a lot more but the whole point is they can hear us say i love you all they want but if they don't see and feel that love throughout the day, throughout their lives, that, that it won't resonate. Right. True. Next. Next. Next is financially. Don't spit your coffee out. Um, oh. <laughs> all right. So here's what I think. I think that it is easy for us to look at life with the great, with the American dream and say, you know, it's all about having financial security and being able to have a healthy 401k and retirement plan, all that stuff. And (laughs) yeah. And ultimately I think people put a lot, a lot of energy into their financial security, which trust me, I am all for that. I am, I am that guy when it comes to, I do value financial security and certainty and all those things, but our current situation, (laughs) we are playing the long game financially. And so for us, would we wish the financial um, life that we have on our kids? No, probably not. But the financial relationship we have yes. with money, I think we would. Yeah, because what do you hear when you th- when you hear about things couples fight about, things that in marriage, in marriages, a lot of times money is up there. And we have had our share of fights early, early in marriage, just when you're trying to figure out, you know, Chris was the frugal saver. I was the spontaneous spender. And that caused friction in the beginning when we were just trying to figure out each other and combining two lives. But I will say that's something we knew ahead of time that could cause friction in our marriage. And so, I don't know, I feel like over the years, God's really worked on us and our hearts and how we view money because if you've listened to our earlier episodes we talked about we've been in the place where financially for our age and our life we were doing really well but our relationship wasn't because that's not what it's about we weren't seeing each other because to be doing financially well chris was gone all the time so it 
you know, we are, like Chris said, we're in a weird spot right now financially because we've been making some big moves and we've been trusting God during this crazy leap of faith. So, um, well, but we, we had three X the income and we fought three times more easily about yeah. money and we don't fight about money anymore. We have less money than we've ever had. And so what's interesting about pinpointing this is I think the relationship we have with money. So, so yes, we all want financial security. We all want to make sure we have enough money to, to help others. We want to make sure we have enough money to help our kids, to give our kids the best possible life. And money is energy. And I, I don't hate, I freaking love money. Okay. But, but the relationship with money, I think is the deeper rooted assessment here. And our relationship has gone from like, okay, uh, we, we need money and everyone needs money, but our relationship has gone from unhealthy where like watching every single little penny and little dollar, uh, where literally there were points where I would get mad at John. I'd be like, why, why, why did you buy a $3 coffee or whatever? <laughs> and I would feel, cause this was early in our relationship. Again, we we're figuring each other out. That would make me feel so controlled. Cause I, and I worked full time at the time. I'm like, what? why can I not like, why are you getting pings over $3 a coffee? Like, let me live my life, bro. Right. And I'm sure there's other people, you know, you see jokes all the time about women, their Amazon shopping and hiding their packages, yes. which I don't recommend hiding stuff from yourself. You've, but. you've tried things and it hasn't panned no. out. <laughs> no, no, I know you get, no, I know. you get notifications for everything. So you well, ch- I don't get Chris notifications. I just, his account. I w- I, well, when I had money, I checked the account man. a lot more. <laughs> now, yeah. now I'm like, well, it's just not pull and good. pray, but like with a credit card. <laughs> right. just yeah. um, so no, but the whole point is figuring out where, where is our relationship with money? Like as a couple, how, you know, do we worship it? Do we stress about it? Do we fight about it? Are we doing okay? Do we manage it well? There's so many directions this topic alone could go in. For us personally, like Chris said, we are in a weird spot right now where we know we're playing the long game, but we've, the funny thing is people have told us even people close to us have been like, yeah, well, you think your marriage is good now, but you have to have money to have a good marriage. And we're like, no, I don't, I don't think you do. I mean, I see where it brings more stress into your life, but for us, it's brought us closer because we have been, and I think this is ultimately wise because we've been trusting God with the decisions we're making. And, and we know that there's a bigger picture that we're working towards. Yeah, well, we have hope for the future. <laughs> yes, and we are working towards bigger and better things. Yeah. And so it's not like we're just settling like, okay, well, we're broke and it is what it is. Right. No, 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 no. no. We are working towards a goal and and like John mentioned and I mentioned, this is about the long game for us. This is about impacting people. We don't know if this podcast is going to monetize. It'd be nice if it did, right? It would really help us. It would help us to put uh, more time into it. Um but the reality is we want to serve people and the more people we can help, we know the money will eventually come, but right now it's just about how can we serve people? How can we help people? How can we take what we're learning right now um, and transfer that into value for people? So that's where our long game and our relationship with money comes from. Now God has taken care of us in the most ridiculous ridiculous ways. And I think that, our relationship with money has improved because we've realized if our heart's in the right place and we're doing what we know we're called to do, we're going to be taken care of. And that's been a hard pill to swallow a little bit because it was never like that. We were the people on the other end helping other people, but it is what it is. And I think God's been working on humility and just reminding us that it's not our own efforts that bring us success and wealth and health and all that. It's, it's literally him. It's his money. And obviously, if you don't have a relationship with God, you're not a Christian, you're probably like, what in the world are you kooks, kooks talking about? It off. Right. But that's for another episode because I do want to dive into some of the crazy miracles that just have been worked in our lives recently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, money, it's it's something that can control you, but it doesn't have to. It really doesn't. And there's just such a misconception that the more money you have, the more stuff you have, the the happier you'll be. Or, you know, if we just have this level of money, then we'll feel content and then we can have a better relationship. Like it, 
it, it's just, it's truly, it's just not true. So I know people who have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. I, and, and some of you are like, oh, that somebody's like, oh, okay. nice. But listen, I, I know somebody, um, I know somebody who had so much money that their parents, you know, just like put them on a trust and just gave them money. And this person was miserable. When I tell you miserable, I mean like could afford anything she wanted, um, you know, any car, any, any, anything. She spent all day shopping, all of these things, but she was a miserable human being because they're, it doesn't fulfill you. It doesn't fulfill you. Material things don't fulfill us. It's like they give us this dopamine hit and we're like, cool, I'm happy. But even on the smallest scale, when, when we bought this house, we have a very nice house that we bought. And when we bought this house, we're like, all right, let's fill it with cool stuff. And I remember the last thing we filled it with was our, is it 65, 70? Yeah, I don't know. That was your baby. I didn't care about that. I wanted I wanted a big TV in the living room. So first of all, we got a big TV, put it upstairs. I'm like, okay, I want another one. So we got a big TV. Which was so and, out of your character. <laughs> I know, and put it in the living room. And at that point, we had spent, eh, you know, more, more than a few thousand dollars on just filling the house with stuff. New couches, new everything. And I got the TV up and I put it up and I was like, oh, excited. And I put it up and I just remember this like feeling of, huh. Now what? Like, okay, this is cool. And I think for about 10 minutes, I was like, oh, I'm thrilled. We have everything we need. And I was right. like, yeah, but but now what? And so I think me and John have had the conversation before. It's like, you know what? I don't think we'll ever, ever live like incredibly above lavish. our means or lavish or anything like that. Um, I think, I think. There's a bigger picture. Every time I logically think if we made tons and tons and tons of money, I just feel like, man, how can we serve people? How can we help people? And when your relationship with money is like that, um, it just it just feels good. I don't know. Because what, I've been on the other end. What's that quote? Or somebody, maybe Tony Robbins, I don't know. Somebody talks about when you follow money, you're basically chasing your tail. But when you follow impact or purpose... Yeah. then the money will come because so many people are just looking for a quick get rich quick yes scheme and at the end of the day it doesn't fulfill you and our life doesn't. is about truly being fulfilled in contribution to others growth and contribution those those are the two human needs that psychology has said when they study successful people growth and contribution are the top two to make you a happy person, you read books person, and study yeah. and all that stuff. Yes, to fulfill happiness, it's growth and contribution. It has nothing to do with how much you make. It has everything to do with what you can contribute. And the last thing I'll say with money is, is I'm sure you guys have maybe heard this before. Your income is typically directly correlated with the amount of people you help or you serve or or the problems you solve. So if that's the case. I mean, <laughs> right now. Yeah. No, no. The long game. The is long game. Yeah. Your income is correlated with. You mean in the end? The problems you solve. Yeah. Okay. So, so if you can solve a problem where, where, where people are in a specific place of pain, um, that will produce a good income for you eventually. But, but right now just fo focus on the people, focus on the people you serve, um, focus on being the best you can be at your job, you know, serving people, helping people, going out of your way doing what you can. Um, and we, we know people who have been bottom of their company and took this, you know, our cousin, uh, Chris, he, he was the bottom of his company and he was almost going to quit. He'd been there for like seven years or something like that. And the last like three or four years, he just like went into total serve mode. And this dude has doubled his income and has, you know, been a manager and all these things just because of the shift in his attitude. And I'm super impressed with them. So so shout out. Shout out. So that was a bit of a tangent, a but bit. basically start assessing where your relationship is at financially and where just, I mean, like we said, that can go into so many different mini subcategories, but it's important to be on the same page. I know there's been times where I had no idea how much money we even had in our account and Chris did it all. And I just think that that isn't a healthy way. I think we should both know what's going on. And it was more of me like not wanting to know. But whenever Chris did go down, go and sit down with me and go over the budget and stuff, it made me feel a lot more like, I don't know, in control or involved. So, yeah, there's a lot of different areas. So where's the, where's the first step there, Chris? The first step with money? Well, but if they're sitting down like, oh, gosh, I don't know. We're not on the same page or 
we're broke or we're we have a lot of money but we're not well, happy i don't know that this just is such a dynamic you, yeah, topic i would ask the question okay let's say we had all this money what, what what's it for what's the purpose so so what's the purpose of the money is it okay we need enough money to die happy okay i guess if that's what you're after is it okay, we need enough money to take care of our kids in this way, that way. We want the kids to be in private schools, whatever it is, you know. What do you want the money to become? Is so it, it all goes is back it just to, certainty or is yeah. it impact in some way, whether it's your family or somebody else? Okay, so it all goes back to just the vision and being on the same page with Definitely. where you're going. Cool. Okay, finally, are we on the same page? Where are we at in our marriage spiritually and I think this is so important that you are spiritually yoked with your spouse because I know we believe when you get married, you become one. And how can you become one if you guys, if we're not on the same page spiritually? <laughs> yeah. But spiritually yoked is yeah is what they talk about in the Bible and stuff. And yeah, I think what it comes down to is, and this will sound crazy to people who are like, what, who's, who is God? But Basically, it's like there's a spiritual warfare. First of all, I know that if if the devil can get a hold of me and push me into things that are selfish and push me into a bad relationship with money or not caring about communication or or a selfish sex life um, or you know just anything in every or in a bad physical place where I'm constantly depressed and just not not fulfilled and feeling good, then he can wreck my family. He can wreck my family. And you are also a leader in this family, Jana. And so, and so if the devil can get a hold of you and cause your communication to be bad and your physical body not to feel good and you to be selfish about sex and all of these things, the exact same thing, he knows he can wreck us. And so it's, it, it's like there's this constant war um, on a daily basis as, as Christians, as believers, all of these things to understand that, you know, we have to be in this together because it's tough. I mean, there are there are a lot of selfish temptations that come our way, and ultimately, being on the same page spiritually is what uh, is what's going to help us. Yeah. So that conversation may look like, "Hey, Chris, how often are we praying together? How often do we have deep conversations? How often do we, you know, whenever church is open, go to church or invest in our community group or?" have we read anything together? Like we are currently reading a book. It's, I mean, we read the Bible, but it's not the Bible. It's, uh, I don't remember what it's called, but it's really good. And it, and it's helping us grow in our faith and grow spiritually. And we've been taking time, scheduling time actually to read it together. So that's strengthen all, yourself in the Lord. Yeah. And it's been really helpful it's during good. this time, honestly. Um, but well, that, I was just gonna say that's, that takes us to the next step is, that's something we're doing to be intentional is where you have it on the calendar or on the weekly schedule. Here's when Chris and I are getting up early before the kids and reading together and praying together to make sure that we are investing in ourselves spiritually. Yeah. And I think it goes all the way back to this. Who is God? Who is God to you? Who is God to your spouse? And have that conversation because I feel like if you survey people on the street and you're like, Hey, do you believe in God? Yeah, sure. I believe in a higher power. Cool. Like, Hey, my friend died there at the pearly gates. Well, I, I don't know. You know, like I think what's important is that we understand who God is at his core and realize he's a bigger part of the picture here. than I think we give him credit for, we act the keys to stop and go, it's like, Oh no, my friend's sick. Dear God, help them to feel better. Or, you know, what's the last, thing someone says in a traumatic situation before death or something's about to happen. Oh God, right? Like everybody has a, has a, you know, divine feeling of like, there's a higher power. There's a higher purpose. A lot of people are atheists too, but I think overall we have to ask ourselves, who is God? And then know that from our spouse, because if our spouse grew up in a church and was, and was hurt by the people or whatever, first of all, God doesn't hurt people. God's people hurt people. And so if if you were turned away from the church or something like that, blame it on the people. Go ahead. Christians are the worst part about Christianity. I think John said that, and that's such a brilliant thing to say. Yeah, I said God has a PR problem. Oh, yeah. People don't My dad said Christians are the worst part of yeah, Christianity. Yeah, because people don't represent yeah. him well. And exactly. that's something that I wish I could scream from the rooftops, though. I think people, and even me, when I first became a Christian, I had this misconception that Christians were good and kind and perfect and 
So when I would see a Christian person <laughs> do something or say something or be mean, I'm like, oh, you're you're so fake. But it's just exactly. we're humans. We're sinners still. We are broken. And that's why we need God. But ultimately, it makes me sad because I do know there's people who are in marriage together who either don't agree or who don't even really know the other's relationship or feelings about God. And that's, that's so important. <laughs> no, yeah, That's such an important, and, and I mean, talk about intimacy to be able, I mean, the first time Chris and I prayed together, it was so awkward mm -hmm. and so weird because it's such an intimate part of your life to let somebody into. Um, but for us, that is key. And that's something we're still working on. It is a muscle, man. Yeah, it, it is. It is a muscle and you have to groom it and you have to, you have to keep doing it even when you don't feel like it. Cause nine times out of 10, you don't feel like it. Like I just want to go to bed or I don't feel like this, but it is important to connect to God on that level with each other. And spiritually for us, I think, uh, I think we have progressively been getting more yoked together, um, and more on the same page. And every time we do, you know, I'm not going to lie. The closer you get to God, the harder things can get for sure. But I think he prepares you for those things and um, ultimately doing it with your spouse. I can't imagine going through what we're going through right now oh my without, you know, you to lift me up and be like, oh, dude, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And kind of be my strength when I'm weak and me your strength when you're weak. I mean, we've talked about it before recently. I don't know how we would get through what we're going through if we did not have a relationship with God and if we were not yoked in this area. And so going back to the original question, is your marriage a relationship you'd wish on your kids? Is your spiritual life something you'd wish on your kids? Even if you are in a weird place with God right now, or maybe you don't know God, ultimately, do you feel like you want something more for your children. Do you, I feel like when you have God, you have a hope for the future and you have a hope for things. And I don't know. I just can't imagine. I mean, I, I have been without him and my times were dark. And even when I was having fun, it was, it was dark. I still always felt this emptiness and this lack yeah. of hope for a future. So what, what do you want your kids to have, you know? Yeah, well, and success leaves clues. It's like we look at the Kanye West of the world and Justin Bieber's and all these people who gained it all. They gained the world. And now Sony, Brad Pitt, all these people are turning to God. And they're like, wow, I am empty. I have all of this stuff. I've achieved the world. Everyone loves me. There's all this stuff, but I'm missing something. And they turn to God and they're like, whoa, this is something, right? And so they're ultimately, you know, challenged, I'm sure, but fulfilled. And understanding that. So I think the baseline question here is, who is God to me? Who is God to you? And what's the next steps in building that relationship with him? Because it doesn't have to be like this massive, okay, we're going to go to church every Sunday now. No, just who is God to me? Who is God to you? And what's the next steps to? And are we that? being, and if you already have a relationship with God, are we being intentional about growing together in that? Because yeah. just like anything, you have to grow it yeah, or it's dying. Exactly. So, Ooh, it's funny. We thought this was going to be a quick, quick episode. We, we did ramble a little bit, but hopefully you guys enjoyed the hopefully It was valuable rambling. Yeah. So quick recap. We talked about five areas of a marital assessment. And with it, with the one question in mind is, is our marriage a relationship or a model that we wish on our kids in from a communication perspective? from a romantic perspective, from a physical, like physical health, a, a, a financial health and or relationship and a spiritual health or relationship. Yeah. So turn, turn that around and just start thinking about whatever you do and turning around and thinking about if that was your child's life, how you would feel. So that's it. That's it. We really hope that this episode brought you some value and has kickstarted another deep conversation for you and your spouse. And if it did, of course, go ahead and share it with another couple who you think would benefit. And always, as always, don't forget to subscribe to the show. And let me just tell you, everybody says that, but the reason why... Tell them, tell them why sub subscribing to the show is important to us. The reason it's important is because if you feel like this is a valuable message, the only way to get it out and in front of people to say, oh, what's this podcast 
is to have reviews and also have people subscribing to the show because actual like platforms, podcast platforms are like, oh, cool. This must be a good show because people are subscribing in. So they push um, it in front of more. So people. yeah, it's very helpful. So if you're like, hey, I think this is very valuable because I'm not going to lie. I'm the first guy on YouTube who's like, I'll watch something when I subscribe. Yeah. Um, but once I figured this out, I was like, oh, we need to subscribe to these things. Um, it's so so if, helpful. If you want to hear these episodes and you want more of this, subscribe. All right. Thanks, guys.